Well, good morning, church. I hope you're doing great this morning, and it's good to see all of you here. And once again, if you're our guest, if you're new to NCC or maybe new to church in general, um, we are excited that you're worshiping here with us this morning. And let me start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church. And I'm so glad that you're with us. You've picked a great day to come on because we are kicking off a brand new series today, Made for More New. And we're going to look at how God wants to make us new and what that looks like as we walk through these series of messages over the next few weeks. And before we jump into the message this morning, I want to take a quick moment and have um, a family meeting for those of you that call NCC your church home. We have some amazing leaders here at our church. And right as we gave, right before we gave, that was Pastor Scott Wilson. And part of our leadership here at New Community Churches, we have outside pastors that help make sure that we're accountable, that are helping with the leadership and making sure that we're headed in the right direction. They're a great sounding board for our church and we're in partnership with those other pastors. But we also have some amazing leaders in our church, our, our spiritual directors and our staff, and we also have a great board here at New Community Church. And as we're growing, as we're looking at God, how, how God wants to continue to have us expand and move forward, um, we think that this is a great time to add someone to the leadership, to the board here at New Community Church. And so I want to present that person to you and then talk about the qualifications and that process here at New Community Church. And so as we've been praying, the person that we want to present to the church um, as part of, um, of adding to the leadership team is Steve Newman. So if you guys could give him a hand. Many of you guys know Steve. He has been a part of our church, um, and he's sitting in service this morning. He's been a part of our church for a number of years. Steve already serves in a few leadership areas of our church. And so as part of the welcome team, he makes sure that he makes sure this is a great place on Sunday morning, that everything is running smoothly, and that we're ready to welcome guests and just all of us, that um, it's a great atmosphere as we come in here. And so he's a part of that leadership team. He's also helped um, with a lot of the men's activities that we've done. And so grill outs and men's breakfast that happened here at our church. Steve's a key part of that, of making that happen and speaking into a lot of those things that take place. And just an amazing man of God. He's a business owner and has been a part of our church, as I mentioned, for a number of years. And so as with everything that we do as a church, we look at God's word whenever we're talking about um, things and ways that we should do things as a church. And so God's word tells us what someone that's going to serve in a position like this, what that person should be like. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we see this, that that individual needs to be honorable, that they need to be respectable. They need to have self-control in their life. It lists some other things like they're not given to drunkenness. They're not a lover of money. If they're married, that they're faithful to their spouse. They need to be full of God's spirit. And as we have watched Steve's life over the past few years, I believe that he meets and fits all of those qualifications and that Steve is a man of God and, and that our church would be blessed to have him serve in this position. And so part of our process is to take a moment in service and do what we're doing right now to present um, him to you as the church and then to listen to feedback. And so this week, um, we want you to give us any feedback that you have. And so our email's up there. You guys have the church number. If you have any questions like 
how does this process happen or anything more that you want to know or why Steve Newman? I mean, you can ask any of those questions. We're open to anything, okay? Or if you have a comment like, hey, I see this in Steve's life, man. He's a man of God or anything like that. Please email, let us know. And so we as the leadership team will take this week and look at all of that feedback and um, everything that comes in. And then if we feel like, hey, God, this is still a process that you're in, we'll take a moment and um, an upcoming Sunday and we'll pray over Steve and um, accept him onto the leadership team. And I'm excited about this church because I know that as we continue need to grow, we're going to need more of you to step into leadership positions. And some of you that are just serving right now, we're going to come to you at different points and we're going to ask you, hey, we want you to not only serve on a team, we want you to lead on a team or we want you to be in this leadership position as God continues to expand what we're doing as a church. And so this is an exciting time and I believe God is in this process as we're looking at this. And so that's what we're talking about the next few weeks is what God is doing in our church what God is doing in our lives as individuals to make us new, to change us and to form us and to grow us so we're not the same people that we were before. We're not the same church that we were a few years ago or when we started. We want to continue to grow and develop in all that God is calling us to. And as I was thinking about this, I thought back to whenever I was in elementary school, and maybe you guys can remember at that point in your life. I remember it was a science class. I can't remember what grade, but our science teacher made us watch this video. And it was a video, I've shared this with you guys, I am deathly afraid of snakes, but it was a video of a snake crawling out of its skin. Has anyone witnessed this on a video or something? Okay. The snake crawls out of its skin. It's like it sheds this outer layer of scales and all of these things. And then it's just left there. And I've been at the zoo where like the person that works in the reptile building has brought that up and said, hey, do you want to touch this? And I'm like, no, why would anyone want to do that? It's like pretty disgusting. It's like the scales and what's left over. But it, it's amazing when you think about it, that God in creation and biology, that he's made ways for creation to renew itself. And that happens to us. Thankfully, we don't step out of our skin at some point, but your skin is constantly being renewed. You, you may not know this, but every three weeks, you have a new skin that you're wearing, okay? So you can turn to the person next to you and say, hey, it's a new you, okay? You're not the same person you were three weeks ago. That's God's process in our life, not only with our skin, but on a cellular level, like in our blood, our red blood cells every four months, they're renewing. It's not all at once, but cells are constantly dying. Cells are constantly being formed. And so our red blood cells, they renew every four months. Every year, our white blood cells do that. As an adult, you're being made new, okay? Your bones are being reformed and they're being renourished. So it doesn't stop whenever you hit a certain age, like, okay, or you hit a certain height, I'm not a kid anymore. But you know, every decade you have new bones. You have new bone structure, calcium and everything that it takes to form those, it's being renewed. And there are cells and there are things in our body that aren't renewed in that way, like nerves, if you study this, or like your brain cells, those aren't regenerated or renewed. But it is amazing because science is finding out that through neuroplasticity, all of these studies that they're doing, that as you learn new habits, as you get new disciplines in your life, if you learn a new language, that the way that your brain connects is actually reformed. And those neurons that fire, that help you and me talk and eat and function in this world and observe everything around us, that those can actually be reformed. Your mind can be renewed. This is what God talks about in his word. See, God shows us through his creation. It happens on a physical level, but God has a desire spiritually 
inside of each and every one of us, God wants to make you new. He doesn't want you to be the same person that you were before. God wants to change your thinking and your process and what's happening spiritually inside of you. He wants to make you a new individual. This is God's desire. And so we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to look at God's process in our life and different areas of our life and how God wants to transform us. And then the impact that makes to the people around us, the community that we live in, the world that we live in, God is on this process of developing a new life for each and every one of us. And so this morning, we're going to talk about a new vision or a new dream that God has for us in our lives. And we're going to look at God's word to do this. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We're going to start at verse 1, and if you did not bring a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. In the seat in front of you, there is a blue book. It's a Bible, and you can turn to page 202. So I want to encourage everyone, take that out if you don't have a Bible with you, or take out your smartphone and Google First Chronicles 28, and you'll get there, and you can follow along with us because we believe that God's Word helps shape our lives, and so we want to look at this this morning. Once you have that First Chronicles 28.1, go ahead and hold that for a moment, And in case you're like, I've never read the book of Chronicles, I didn't even know there was a Chronicles in the Bible, let me tell you what's going on here this morning in this part of the Bible. In this part of God's word, God has chosen the nation of Israel as his chosen people. He separated them out from among the nation. He's called them. And they're called to be a light, to be a picture of the glory of God and the love of God to all of the nations around them. That's why he's chosen them, that they would be a light to the people around them. And so they've been established as a nation. They've had a king. The first king was named King Saul. You read about him in part of the Bible. The second king that we're about to read about is King David. So you may be familiar with this guy, even if you've not read the Bible a lot. This is the little shepherd boy who killed the giant named Goliath. So maybe you've heard of that story. And he's the king at the time that we're about to read this. And David has fought a lot of battles and he's... um, help settle the people of God in the nation that they're in. And now he's coming to a time where it's towards the end of his reign as king. He's about to end his time of being king. But God places this new vision and this dream in his heart. And this is where we pick up this story in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1. This is what it says. David summoned all of the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem. Officers over the tribe, commanders of the division in the service of the king, commanders of thousands, commanders of a hundred, the officers in charge of all of the property and livestock belonging to the king, together with the palace officers, the warriors, and all the brave fighting men. That was just a long way to say all of the leaders of the nation are there in Jerusalem. And then it says this, King David rose to his feet and he said, listen to me, my fellow Israelites, my people, I had it in my heart to build a house a place of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, for it to be a footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. So what's going on? David's been king for a while, and now God gives him this dream, God gives him this vision of something that God wants to do through David before his time as king is done, and that is to build a house of worship for God. And the Ark of the Covenant, this, this wording in there, okay, it's not just something from Indiana Jones. This was actually a symbol of the presence of God to the people of God. It was a symbol that God wanted to be close to his people, and the Ark represented the presence of God. And so David has it in his heart to bring God's presence close to his people. And I believe that with all God-given visions, that vision is seeing what God has seen all along. 
Vision is seeing what God has seen all along. See, this didn't just start in the heart of David. Vision is seeing what God has seen all along. This was in God's heart all the way since the beginning of time. Since our great, 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 great grandparents, Adam and Eve, sinned against God, they disobeyed God and they broke our relationship with God, God has been desiring to get close to his people again. And as you read through all of the Old Testament, you see this, God's presence wanting to come close to his people. And this is the dream that David had. It didn't start in his heart, but God gives it to him. God has seen this picture all along the way. I love this as I'm reading through the books of the Bible. Sarah, my wife, and myself, we go through a reading plan. So right now we're reading through the first five books of the Bible And as I'm reading that, I'm seeing over and over again, God, through all of these different ways, through sacrifices and through ceremonies, God's desire is to be close to his people. That's the heartbeat of God. And that's David's dream. It's not just to build a physical structure, but it's to have a place of worship for the people of God. And it's like that in your life and in my life. When we have a vision from God, it's what God has been seeing all along. Maybe you didn't realize it, but God has a plan for you. He has a purpose. He has a desire in your heart. And David has this aha moment. He has this moment where he realizes what God's heartbeat has been all along. And he wants to do something about it. He wants to make this happen with the people and with the nation of Israel. Maybe you've had a moment like that where you see something, where you have a dream. Maybe it's an invention, something you want to do, and you don't want to just experience it for yourself, but you want someone else to experience. You want someone else to see what you're seeing. Maybe something like this. Guys, I teared up the first few times I watched that because it was amazing to see this guy. He's not been able to see in color for 60 years of his life. He's been walking around not seeing what everyone else is seeing. And this is the moment where he gets to see blues and reds and all of these colors for the first time. And many of us, that's how we're living our life. We're not seeing what God has for us. We're living on our own in our own ability and our own strength. And we've taken God out of the picture. But I'm here this morning to remind you, to tell you that God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. There is a dream that God has been seeing. Maybe you've not seen it yet, but there is a desire, something God wants to do in and through your life. And when you get that God kind of vision, when you see through those God glasses, if you will, it's seeing what God has seen all along. See, for some of you in this room, whenever you're thinking about that, whenever you're looking at that, it may be that vision, that dream of a marriage that is healthy. Maybe your marriage is broken. Maybe your marriage is hurting. And it's not what it needs to be. And yet God has this desire. He's placed this desire in you that you would have a healthy marriage and a healthy family. For some of you in this room, God has put a dream. Maybe you thought it was just yourself, but it's for a new business. It's for an invention. An invention. You see some problem or you see some situation and you want to find a way to solve it. It's a God-given dream. It's a vision that God has given inside of you. For some of you, it's addiction in your life. And you just see the struggle. You just see the sin. You see the chains and the darkness around you and God can see you in a new light. He sees freedom in your life. He sees you breaking out of that prison. He sees you breaking out of those chains. It's what God has seen all along. And there's moments like what David is having right here where we're stepping into God's vision. We're stepping into God's dream. We're stepping into what God wants for us, what God desires. See, a vision is seeing what God has seen all along. It doesn't only happen in our personal lives. God is seeing something for us as a church. 
God has a dream for us as a church. He can see a picture of where we're not even at yet. God has desires and he has plans for us here at New Community Church that he's seen all along before we ever even started this thing. God had some dreams that he was dreaming over us. And we have small pictures of those things. See, we have a desire that our building would not always look like this. And we've shown this to you guys. We presented this, that one day we want it to look like this. We're adding on, we're expanding, right? We want a new ability to reach more families, to reach more kids, to reach more students, that the inside would look like this. And we'd have an expanded lobby area. If you're out in the lobby, you can see some of these graphics. You walk past them. It's part of the vision that God has given us. But we're not just trying like David. We're not trying to build bricks and stones. No, we want to invest in the next generation, right? We want to do something that is leaving a legacy for those that are coming after us. We are passionate as a church to reach more kids, to reach more students, to reach families that we're adding onto this building. And we're doing all of this because we believe that God wants to see more lives change. See, it's the picture that God can see, even though we don't fully understand it yet, even though we're not there yet, that students would come into this place on Wednesday nights and that they would be able to invite their friends, and that their friends' lives would be changed. They would encounter Christ. The kids on a Sunday morning, that as they hear about Jesus, they would grow up in a relationship with God. They would know God's word. God's word would form and shape their life. Not just on the weekends, not just on a Wednesday night, but with our mom's day out. We want to impact our community. It's part of that vision, the picture that God has given us. And it's not just that. We want to continue to reach out into other communities. See, right now, NCC looks like this. We're located here in Mesquite. This is what God has called us to, but we don't believe that's where the vision stops. See, we can see a picture that in 5 and 10 and 15 years that God will help us to expand and we'll be in other communities. Now, we don't know where those are at yet. I, I know we put them on different places on the map surrounding this, but we don't know what communities those will be. But we believe that God wants to take what he's doing here in our church, what he's doing here in Mesquite, and we want to take that to other areas. We want some of you guys to step up into leadership and to be a part of that, of planning new campuses and new churches in other areas. See, it's that God given vision, that we're seeing small parts of what God has been planning all along. That's our desire and that it would reach into other parts of the world. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, what God wants to do through us as a church. Church, do you have that God kind of vision? Do you have dreams in your life of what God is wanting to do? See, as we read this, it was not only seeing what God had already seen, but it was doing something. It says this, David said, I had it in my heart to build a house, a place of rest for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of God, and I made plans to build it. And I made plans to build it. This is what we know about vision. Anyone can dream, but impact takes action. Anyone can dream, but impact takes action. See, David isn't just thinking about this. It's not just kind of a vision. He actually does something about it. He has this desire and he's going to take action with it. He's not just saying, hey, uh, man, I hope a building magically appears someday that people could worship in the presence of God. No, he's saying, hey, I have a plan. I've done some work. I've got some drawings here. I've talked to God what this building needs to look like. There's actually a plan to what it is that he's doing and what God wants to create. It's like that in our life. See, if we have a vision from God, it takes action if we actually want to make an impact. If we want to make a difference to those around us, we're going to have to take that first step. 
And that's where so many of us, we fail as it comes to vision. Like we may have that God-given dream. We may have that God-given vision in our life. We never take that first step. And I was reading about this this week. It's so crazy because statistics say that if you'll just take that first step and you'll write down your goals. God, I'm overweight. I need to lose some weight this year. You'll just write that down. Take that simple step. You are 80% more likely to accomplish that. Now, it's not a given, it's not 100%, but I mean, 80%, that's pretty good odds if you'll simply just write that down. Hey, God, I wanna change this habit in my life. I wanna do this differently this year. I wanna save this amount of money. Whatever it is, taking that first step, writing it down will make you 80% more likely to actually accomplish that. What is your first step, church? What's that first step in your life this week? What is it? It's that dream that's maybe been laying there dormant that you're afraid. Maybe there's a little bit of fear in your heart, but this week God is challenging you take that step. If it's a new invention, maybe Google, what does it take to get a patent for a new invention? It's just a simple first step, but do something this week. Take that step. Students, if it's going to college, your step this week is studying for finals, right? Finals week is right here. Come on, parents. Can I get an amen? Students, you need to study because you can't get to college if you don't pass your classes right now. That's the first step. You may have a great vision. You may have a great dream out there. You've got to do something about that right now, okay? We need to take that first step in our life. If it's marriage, having a healthy marriage, it may be picking up the phone and saying, hey, we need to schedule a counseling meeting. We need outside help because we want our marriage, we want our family to be strong. What is that first step in your life? See, if you'll simply write that down, if you'll take that first step this week, you're gonna see the impact that your action can have. You're gonna see that vision start to materialize and start to come to pass what God wants to do inside of your life. What's that step? As a church, we have some God-sized dreams. We have some things that God has spoken to us. We were with a group of churches that are very similar to ours um, last fall. And as we got in the room together, we were praying and we were saying, what are some God-sized dreams by the end of 2020 that we want to have? And so we begin to challenge one another with some of the leaders of this network of churches together. And so we wrote those down. If you ever go into our staff offices, they're hanging on the wall. They're a reminder to our staff that every day that we come into this place, we need to be doing something to move those goals forward, to move those steps forward. Some of them are a little bit scary, but I'm going to share them with you this morning. One of the goals that we set out that's written up there on the wall is by the end of 2020, we want to have 800 people that are here every single week in attendance at NCC. That's a lot. But we want this place to be packed out. We want that addition. We want kids and students to be packing out that next-gen addition for all that God wants to do. That's a desire because we want to see more families and more people reach. Just like your life has been changed, just like you've come here and God's made an impact with you, we want that experience for other people that don't know about Jesus yet. We want them to come experience that. We want to be a church that's built on a foundation of spiritual growth. And so one of the goals that we have is we want 85 groups because we believe that we should not be staying the same. We shouldn't get stuck or be stagnant in our relationship with God. And so we need areas of discipleship. We need community. You know what that number represents when I see that is not just the people that will come. I think of all of the leaders. That's 85 of you guys saying, I'll step up. I'll help disciple someone else. 
Hey, our marriage is strong. We'll help couples that are younger than us that are just coming up. Hey, God's done some things in my life. I've overcome some addiction. That represents 85 leaders that are saying, hey, I'll disciple others. I'll grow others. I'll help others in their walk with God. Some of them don't have numbers around them. One of the things that we wrote is ownership. We want a culture of ownership that there's not just a few people at the church doing all of the work, but that everyone that comes in this room week in and week out, that we're saying, hey, I'll give, I'll serve, I'll help lead others to the vision that God has given us as a church. We wrote these down because we're saying, hey, we don't want dreams to just lie dormant here at the church. We want to take steps to move forward in all that God is calling us to. Let me leave you with this last idea this morning as it comes to vision that we see in the life of David, this dream that God has placed in David's heart. It's this vision takes resources and generosity isn't an obligation. It's a privilege. Generosity isn't an obligation. It's a privilege. If you still have your Bibles open, first Chronicles chapter 29, just the next chapter over. In verse six, you see, as David presents this vision, all of the people begin to come together and give. And there's this whole account here. There were like 10,000 talents of gold and 18,000 talents of, of silver and bronze. All of these jewels are brought. All of the leaders give generously and freely. And then David prays this prayer in first Chronicles 29, verse 14. This is how he ends this prayer. But God, who am I and who are we as your people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, God, and we have given you only what already comes from your hand. I love that. See, to David, generosity, it wasn't an obligation. It wasn't something, God, I have to do this. It was this desire in his heart. God, this is a privilege that we get to be a part of the dream and the vision that you're calling us to. God, we get to play a part in that. What's your response as it comes to giving? Do you see it as an obligation? God, this is just something that I have to do. Or like David, do you have this heart of generosity? See, some of us struggle with this and we have this wrong idea because vision is going to cost something. If you want to go on a diet this year, it's going to cost you something, a gym membership or paying for different kinds of food to eat. If you want a healthy marriage, it's going to cost you something. It's not going to happen by accident, church. You're going to have to invest in your marriage. It may be buying a marriage book. It may be meeting with someone. It's going to take an investment in your life. Whatever you do, if you have a vision or a dream, it is going to cost you something to accomplish that. And it's the same way in the church, what God is calling us to, it's going to cost us something. And so I want to give you a picture this morning where many of us are at in our giving on different levels where we find ourselves at. The first is this, that some of us in this room, we come into this place all of the time. We listen to the message. We hear worship, the worship going on. And, and we're like, man, this is an awesome place to call our church home. And we're potential givers. And so we sit in a service like this and, and we hear times of where our church is reaching out to the community and we're like, man, I love that. We hear about investing in the next generation. I love that our church does that, but we're still at this place. We're a potential giver. We've never actually opened our checkbook. We've never actually opened our wallet. We've never invested in the vision of God. We think it all sounds good, but we sit here week after week and this is where we're at. And can I just tell you something as your pastor? This is an okay place to start because you have this amazing ability to jump up to the next level. I mean, you give $1, you give a dime. 
Like you're no longer a potential giver, right? You're now giving. So like you have the ability to do that. But I want to challenge you, church, that if you want to be a part of the vision and what God is doing, you can't stay at this first step. See, you've got to become someone who occasionally gives. You've got to move to that next step of where God is calling you to in that giving ladder or that giving level where God is speaking to your life. The occasional giver is someone that does this. If you see something on the screen and you're like, man, that tugs at my heart. It's ministering to kids in Central America and what we do education-wise. It's making an impact in the community. And you think, well, I got an extra $5. I got an extra 10 bucks. I can do this, right? And that's great because when you get to this level, you start to listen to the voice of God's spirit. He begins to tug at your heart and you begin to respond and you occasionally give. And some of you guys, you've moved to the next level beyond that. You're a consistent giver. It's not just random times. It's not just when you feel something emotional. You've made a plan to begin to give and invest in the kingdom of God. And so maybe it's going on push pay. Maybe it's um, going online and setting up reoccurring giving. It may not be a lot, a week, maybe $50 a month, but I'm going to consistently give a small percentage of what I have to invest in the kingdom of God. And some of you have chosen not to stay here, but to become this next level, to become a tither, which is kind of a weird word, I realize, because these other words we kind of use in our day-to-day vocabulary, but this one we don't, but this is a term from the Bible that God's word challenges us that everything that we have is from God. And so we give back to him the first 10%. That's what a tithe means. And some of you have said, God, I'm gonna be obedient and I'm gonna listen to your word, God, and I'm gonna follow you. This step right here is a massive step of spiritual growth because it's saying, God, I'm trusting you. I'm not gonna give you the leftovers like Michael and Sarah talked about. God, I'm not just gonna tip you, but I'm gonna bring the very first of what I have, God, and I'm gonna honor you in that way. I'm gonna give a tithe. And then some of you are going above and beyond that, and you're generous givers. What do I mean by that? It's that you hear about different things, camp coming up, and hey, I'm going to give above and beyond the tithe, and I'm going to invest into our students and our kids going to camp. Hey, we want to do something in the community, and I'm going to support the church and what they're wanting to do. Made for more and and the building expansion, all of these things, God. I want to invest in your kingdom, God, so I'm not just going to be obedient, Lord. I'm going to practice generosity, and I'm going to give above and beyond, Lord, what you've called me to be. That's the kind of person that I want to be. You guys, I realize a conversation like this is awkward for some of us. The church is talking about money again, but I'm not going to back down as your pastor. Why? Because I believe in the vision that God has called us to. And I'm going to step on some toes here this morning, so let me just apologize. But some of you, you think you're up here, but really you're right here. And what you do is you say, man, those are some awesome things that we're doing. I want to be generous and I want to, I'm going to give $5 to Made for More. I'm going to give some money to the kids camp scholarship or to students going to camp. Man, I'm a generous giver. And yet you've not been obedient yet. This is what we say in the Escamilla household to our kids. You can't go above and beyond until you've done what's required. Church, you can't put the icing on the cake if there is no cake there, okay? And some of us, we think that we're generous givers and we're not walking in obedience to God's word. We're not doing what he just first asked us to do. And my challenge is over these next few weeks that God would speak to us and we would listen to the voice of God and we would take a step up on a giving level. And it's okay. Some of you guys are just starting off and you're right down here. And over these next few weeks, God's gonna speak to you and you're gonna become occasional or you're gonna become consistent givers. 
Some of you, you've just been giving randomly and you're gonna take that next step or you're gonna go two steps and you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna start to tithe. Some of you, you've been here for a while and over these next few weeks, God's saying, but what about a little bit more? What about a heart of generosity? And right now our sanctuary hosts are gonna help us and they're gonna pass out this commitment card. And we're gonna take this and we're gonna pray over this for the next few weeks because God is giving us a vision as a church. He's calling us to do something more. He has a new picture of what he wants to do inside of us. And so they're gonna begin to hand these out. I want everyone in the room, if you would take one of these and you would just look at this. It's gonna ask you a few questions on this. And one is, where are you at here? It's okay to be honest. It's okay to say, Aaron, I've been coming for a while and I've not given yet. Because I don't believe we can grow unless we're honest of where we're actually at. We can't move to the next level until we admit, God, here's where I'm at. I've just been giving occasionally. And then it's going to ask you, where do you want to go? What's God challenging you with? What's next? in your life to invest in the vision? Where can you take that step up? And that's my deepest desire is that everyone in the room that you would pray and you would listen to God and say, God, I can take another step, Lord. I can do something more than I'm doing right now. God, I wanna hear your voice. And so you're gonna have a chance to put that. This is where I'm going. This is how I'm growing in my giving and investing in the vision that God has given us. And you're gonna see on there, there's a thing that says made for more. That's our giving campaign. We're coming up on one year of those commitments that we've made. And for some of you in this room, you made a three-year commitment. And so just want to clarify, we're not asking you to give more than that, but this is just year two. So of that three-year commitment, what does this second year look like? Maybe some of you made a commitment you never gave. Well, then write down, this is what I do want to do this year. I didn't start last year, but I'm starting this year. For others of you in this room, you're new. You've just started coming over the past few months or the past year. and Maybe you weren't here when we made this commitment, but I want to challenge you over the next few weeks to listen to the voice of God and say, God, what can I do to invest in the next generation? God, what can I do to leave a legacy, to make an impact for others that are coming after me and to reach future generations? And then on June 10th, we're going to come back and we're going to give these. And then the week after, we're going to celebrate and the number that we're going to celebrate is not the total dollar amount committed. It's going to be these numbers right here. Who took a step? How many of us were down here and we said, God, I'll do something more. God, I'm going to trust you more in the area of my finances. God, I'm not going to hide that area of my life from you, Lord, but I'm willing to see the vision that you're calling me to. I'm willing to be a part of that. I'm going to invest in your kingdom, God. I'm going to make a difference. And church, that's my desire that all of us would listen to the voice of God and we would take that step. And this morning, I want to challenge you. God has a vision for your life, just like he has a vision for our church. That's what we're looking at here. But it's not just corporately. It's for you as an individual. I promise you that in this room, there are dreams that are lying dormant that God has for us that we've not started to step out and actually move in. And I want to pray for you this morning, church, that God would begin to stir up dreams that you would see things that God has been seeing all along for your life that maybe you've not realized yet. And that those dreams that you do realize that God has shown you that this week you would take that first step. So